Hi, this is Tom from the Happiness Quotient. Thank you for dropping by. You are one of my favorite listeners because if you're listening to this episode, you're hearing it before we changed our name to the Happiness Quotient. Just so you won't be surprised when you listen, you'll hear me talk about Baker Street with Tom Pollard. Believe me, you are in the right place. We've changed our name, but the excellence of the podcast just keeps getting better. Before we get to the episode, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe wherever you're listening, and I hope you'll visit my Patreon page for exclusive content at patreon.com slash thehappinessquotient, and take a look at my YouTube page of the same name, where there are many Everest and music-related episodes, adventure-related podcast elements that can't be found here on the podcast itself. Thanks for being here. If you like what you hear, be sure to leave me a review, a rating, and share it with someone you care about. Now, on with the show. Street with Tom Pollard. It is absolutely outstanding to be with you here today. I am coming to you finally, at long last, after months away from my own abode in New Hampshire. A gorgeous blue sky with a canopy of every conceivable shade of vibrant green and a breeze and birds chirping. It's a far cry from where I had been coming to you previously, which was from a very windy tent at base camp on Mount Everest, where uh, the dust and the cold literally cut through the fabric of my tent and impacted every fiber of my being. But here I am in northern New Hampshire, and it's gorgeous. And yes, there are black flies and mosquitoes, but it is a lovely time of year. It's June, and the days are getting longer, and you feel the earth under your feet, and the grass grows so quickly you have to mow the lawn more than once a week. Flowers are blooming, there are butterflies, there are bugs and cicadas and all sorts of beautiful living creatures everywhere. Just before I got here, about 15 minutes ago, I was driving leisurely down the road and this young black bear was so casually crossing the road, I had to slow down and it couldn't even be bothered to hurry up to get out of my way. I was happy to let it amble along the side of the the road and move its way into the woods and I pulled up right where it had entered the woods and there it was about 15 feet through my window just looking at me like what do you want mister it 
It is going to be a really cool day today on Baker Street. I have a guest that I met on Mount Everest only a month or two ago, and he walked into our dining tent one evening at Advanced Base Camp at 21,000 feet, and he was sharing, if you will, our expedition outfitter, and came in to say hello one evening, and started telling some stories and they were pretty captivating and and talked a little bit about his past and and I thought to myself and out loud later I said either this guy is a real good storyteller and full of beans or he's lived one of the more interesting lives of anyone I think I've ever met at least that I was able to make that distinction really quickly but the cool thing that sets him apart a little bit well, a lot from others is he grew up and he, as a young boy, he had Tourette syndrome and it was fairly severe. And as he will explain in the interview, what a lot of people with Tourette syndrome also have is obsessive compulsive disorder. And he said that that as a child sent him into a lot of places that weren't beneficial to the health of a young boy. He ended up incarcerated and abused and and really neglected and even kind of mistreated at least early on uh, emotionally by his family even, by members of his family. And here's a guy who had just about everything stacked up against him and everybody wanted him to go away and people literally wanted him dead and he climbed to the top of literally the world Mount Everest only recently less than a month ago as I'm recording this and um, became a very successful businessman but the cool thing he's also an inspiration he likes to mentor and help people and he is a big advocate for people with Tourette syndrome it's up to me and you Everybody in and nobody out That's what it's all about I don't care what party you're in Another thing about this gentleman is he had a very successful military career and became a sharpshooter and also worked for the CIA. Actually, as you'll find out, two different CIAs. Uh, one of them is the one we all think about immediately, the Central Intelligence Agency, although he can't really talk too much about that because a lot of the things that he did are still classified, which is cool. That might be an interview for down the road. But the other CIA was the Culinary Institute of America. This guy has done it all. Truly the most interesting man in the world. I'm nominating him for that. Episode 10, most interesting man in the world. You're going to get to meet him. Hey, Tevis. Let's do a little bit of E-Blues. Sounds We're going to put this together right now, right here. Little song called Killing Flow. I should have quit you long time ago. 
I should have quit you long time ago. The really cool tunes that we're listening to as we lead into this epic interview is Norman Sylvester and Tevis Hodge Jr. recorded April 2017 at KBU Community Radio in Portland, Oregon. Uh, on their show called Blues Junction, and I found the music on the Free Music Archive, which is a treasure trove of really cool original music. If you are interested in finding out any information about this talented gentleman, you can find him at normansylvester.com norman spelled that way s-y-l-v-e-s-t-e-r.com he's the original northwest boogie cat and the music is really cool and so i suggest you track it down purchase some of the music if you like what you hear or send him an email and support these people who are putting out great tunes but probably not getting rich doing so but they're putting out the music because it's what comes from their heart which is exactly what we're endeavoring to do with baker street with Tom Pollard, finding people who follow the truth of who they are, the, the depth of their soul, their passions, and that's how we came to meet our friend who we're going to speak with today, Frank Campanaro. cannot have an open mind if you're afraid to ask questions and that's one of the things that a mentor can do for us a mentor can provide answers to us and give us this this space and this uh, this openness where it's not embarrassing or difficult for us to ask or or say things such as i don't know can you help me when we choose to come from a place of love and embrace the truth of who we are, we are able to destroy the one great thing that keeps us from realizing our potential. And that thing that we can destroy is fear. Fear is the kind of thing that is so easily defeated by people who choose to come from a place of love because when we love we are not afraid to face fear because fear is only a thought I'm not talking about fear when a lightning bolt strikes 10 feet of a, from us we get up and run or jump and that's okay that's called the fear of survival of dangerous situations we don't we don't stand on the edge of a cliff. We feel fear for all the right reasons there, but I'm talking about the fear of asking questions or the fear of being vulnerable, things such as that. Thousands of generations, thousands and thousands of generations of people have given their power away by succumbing to fear. 
and fear is what leads to things like worry and worrying about other people, worrying about our kids, and it's taught from generation to generation. A lot of people believe that worry is a good thing, that when you worry about somebody, you're actually giving them love, but, but worry is a negative emotion. And when we worry about another person, we're actually showering them in negativity. And as a parent, I can tell you that it, my children don't have to be in the same room to know if they're being showered in negativity by their mom or their dad. They could be 10,000 miles away and feel it and understand it. That's why, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that the thousands of generations that I've uh, and I'm in, I've inherited it from my Irish and and if uh, Swedish ancestry isn't you know that they're good warriors I'll tell you right now but but I endeavor to banish worry and fear from my life so my children don't have to think of their mom and dad or their dad at least as as someone who is showering them in negativity I allow them to go off and be who they need to be and sometimes that requires them to go out and truly screw up where am I going with this I, you know here's where I'm going we're gonna meet a guy today Frank Campanaro and so we're gonna speak to Frank who grew up under all, well, all the conditions that one would never wish for their child to grow up in. He had Tourette syndrome and it caused him great trouble in life, not only from, say, jumping up and shouting out very awful things in church, but also um, causing him trouble with the law. He ended up incarcerated and severely abused for many years. Here's a guy who had every right to just go off and be angry for the rest of his life. What, one of the things that Frank talked about is he said, a gift is a curse until you realize it is a gift. And when he said that, I immediately thought about my brother's death. My brother Jeff uh, took his own life back in 2005, and at the time, I envisioned it as the great curse of my life. My, my brother was my soulmate. He was my best friend. I looked up to him. He was seven years my senior. Everything that I ever did, I asked for his counsel. And I wanted and sought out his approval on literally just about everything I did. And when I lost him, I thought, wow, it really can't get much worse than this. It, it, it came three months after my dad passed away and and then after my brother took his own life then my mom went into a deep depression for many many years and really never got out of it until her passing back in 2016 I, I studied it I studied the impact of of what that experience was in my life and and I pushed through it and it will be something that I'm going to talk about in depth in a future podcast but but by, by going really deep into that pain to try to understand truly what that pain was, I came to find out that my brother's passing was actually a gift. It caused me to see the world in a different way. Yeah, man. 
Okay, so so let's do this. This I'm speaking with the man, the myth, the man, and the legend, Frank Campanaro. And and Frank is a gentleman that I met, fortunately, on Mount Everest this past spring. And uh, early on in the expedition, as Frank will support with this, we're all so busy kind of getting into our business of climbing a gigantic mountain that it took really, I'd say, six weeks for us to kind of really finally connect. And the guy comes into our tent and starts telling stories one night while we're eating dinner. And I'm like, either this guy is more full of BS than any human being I've ever known or possibly the most interesting man in the world. So we've got a beer campaign for him or he could be a comedian on stage. Frank, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. I'm honored. Uh, Tom, the honor is mine. I've heard a lot of your podcasts and I see what you're doing. Uh, some of them are fun, um, some of them are informative, and some of them are very serious, and they inspire and they help others. So uh, hopefully we'll do a little bit of everything. Uh, my, my, Truly my pleasure to get to know you and then uh, uh, spend some time with you here today. This is so awesome. So one of the primary reasons, other than a, a very interesting life that you've led, was we had a discussion at base camp about Tourette's syndrome but our our discussion about it was was really touching because you yourself had it as a very young boy and it had a dramatic I would say incredible impact in your life for, you know, if you wanted to say, here's the bad things that can happen to you. But the cool thing is you rose above all your, uh, if you will, kind of the, 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 the things that life kind of gave you that one would not choose. And you, you got to the top of the world, literally and figuratively. So Tell me a little bit about your youth and your childhood. Where were you born? Whatever you want to tell, let's let's hear it, man. You've got a, such an inspiring story. Okay, Tom, that's cool. I uh, appreciate you asking. Uh, hopefully, the the uh, my by my telling my story, we can uh, you know we can inspire others. Uh, not just necessarily children or adults with Tourette's or similar. Um, but mm-hmm. just anybody, right? Inspiration's inspiration. Yeah. Um, I was born in uh, Michigan, uh, about 50 miles north of Detroit. I grew up in an Italian family, and and uh, the, uh, the the family ended up coming from um, uh, Italy, like any other immigrant, basically ends up in New York, like any other immigrant, or at least back then. And then ultimately went to Michigan because of the auto industry, which is uh, one of the first uh, global um, industries, if you will. Uh, Henry Ford was paying people $6 in in 1906, $6 an hour. If you remember when you and I were kids, right, minimum wage was like two fifty. dollars So, you know, it attracted a lot of people to Michigan. Um, Hmm. For me, it was probably ultimately a good thing that I didn't grow up in New York. I ended up living there after uh, during college and after college, but uh, the Midwest is a different uh, different type of um, uh, you know. There's a lot of different uh, uh, Midwest is a little more. Um, uh, I don't I don't necessarily want to say forgiving. It's just it's just mm-hmm. it's it's not quite as fast paced or narrow minded maybe mm-hmm. as as you might see in the New York area or mm-hmm. some of the other areas. So I I grew up. Um, Around age four, Tourette syndrome is onset. Roughly around age four, and 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 what we 
what we think it where we think it came from is that there's something called agent orange baby syndrome and if you look at uh i have um some uh, uh my fingers are crooked uh, like definitively uh, uh, uh deformed uh parts of my legs you, you wouldn't notice it but i have mild deformities and the the comedian dennis miller uh says uh, you know i'm taking a line from him i don't have a martian hand growing out of my forehead like the poor vietnamese kids might but at the same time, um, it killed my father. He died from Agent Orange. And uh, obviously, it was a defoliant that was sprayed on plant life so we could uh, basically kill the triple canopy jungles so we could see enemy personnel and shoot them. And, and uh, uh, well, it's very effective on plants, but it's also very effective on people. So I ended up with some form of morph DNA. Mm. And if you think about disease in general, um, it's nutritional, it's environmental, and it's hereditary, right? Hmm. And you can have any of those three or all three or you know, whatever, any combination thereof. So for some reason, um, I, have, uh, I have some unique deformities, and they're not all just physical. I have some, my, my phonological loop is deformed as well. Hmm. So I have massive uh, dyslexia. Hmm. So uh, reading, writing, and seeing dyslexia. So you say seven, I hear 11, I write nine. And don't even know that you should see me reading the financial report. You know, I'm like, hey, we're in the black. So, so uh, at the end of the day, comorbid to Tourette's um, are some other diseases that come along with it. And one is obsessive compulsive disorder. And uh, that is a, a debilitating disease of its own accord. So you have the madness of chaos uh, mm-hmm. of Tourette's where the body is physically twitching. Uh, for me, full body twitching. Hmm. I, I broken bones. Uh, I mean, very severe, full-blown body Tourette's, and then I have coprolalia, which is the swearing Tourette's, and then uh, you have the exact, the exactness, if you will, of the obsessive compulsive disorder. So OCD comes in many varieties. It's an extreme personality. <laughs> disorder if you will uh it also causes lots of crazy thoughts you just sit there all day long and dream about what's going to happen to you next and and uh they're just made up you know it creates phobias creates fears Hmm. but it also requires specificness so you people with Tourette's that have OCD which is most of us uh to varying extents I mean, a lot. Of, sometimes I have to tie my shoe a hundred times in a row until it's tied perfectly, and I'm stuck yeah. until the OCD releases me, until the shoe is perfectly tied or whatever the problem is. Huh. Uh, you know, so yeah, so, so so here I'm as a kid, yelling, screaming, swearing, and I'm talking about you know racial epithets and all kinds of crazy. It just comes out of you. It's so bizarre. It's like a foreigner. It's like an alien invasion, and I got yelling, screaming, jumping around, twitching. Uh, uh, you know, in church, uh, at home, you know, whatever it may be. And, and then I have dyslexia. I can't read anything. And, and then I have the OCD. You know, you can imagine your parents are, in my case, drill sergeants screaming at me, Campanero, get the F downstairs right now. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, drill sergeant. And I got to retie my boots a hundred times. And finally, they're upstairs, right? Yeah. Want to know why I'm defiant, beating me. And the <laughs> problem is because I can't tie my shoe correctly. So you got all that madness uh. in your life. And in the beginning, you know, in the 60s and the 70s, my parents just thought maybe I got into their sash. I mean, they had no mm. clue, you know, that I had a, uh, a disorder. So mm. it becomes punishment. Uh, the family is teasing you. The teachers uh. are teasing you. You know, eventually you just you feel unloved. You become bullied. 
And you can only tolerate that for so long. And then what ends up happening is you stray. Mm. And when you stray, uh, the element, uh, you know, uh, I tell ch- 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 families all the time, look, I know we're all busy. It's easy to hurt the ones we love. But if your par- your kids don't know they love you, that you love them, mm. I got news for you. There's another group of people that are going to show them love, and it's called the criminal element. It's called yeah. the mafia. Mm. The mob wants drug dealers in high school, and you know they they know how to mm. find misfit kids and make them feel good. Mm-hmm. And and once you start going down that path, um, it's essentially the point of no return. So they put me in a mental institution at age 12. Jeez. They didn't know what else to do with me, and that was bizarre because that's back you know today. You dust your parents with a shotgun, you you know, you go right to prison. But back when we were kids, you and I, hmm. um, you didn't go to federal or state prison until you were 18. So yep. they put you in the mental institution oh with the criminally God. insane. So I'm in kitty prison, right? I, this is not the juvenile home. This is the maximum, super max detention center for the criminally insane. And I'm there at age 12, you know, with 16-year-old gangbangers from Detroit. Oh, my God. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the abuse from doctors, the drugs, sex, it's prison. So sexual would be, I mean, it's just all of that madness, you know, that, that also got thrown on me. And then eventually my family realized there was something called Tourette's. And once we realized it had a real disease, then it became empowering and it was almost too late. I was pretty much gone, hated everybody. Yeah. I was, I was joked that I went into special forces just to learn Kung Fu and explosives. So I go back and get even with all my teachers. (laughs) So... Yeah. Okay, so anyways, hey, whatever it takes, man, to be productive, right? <laughs> agreed. So to make a long story longer, uh, um, you know, you, you, get the, you get the idea that, uh, uh, and I'm not the only guy, and you, it, you know, and you look around, and you're like, poor me, and then you look at the next guy, and you're like, well, that guy, that guy didn't even have an arm. Uh, so so I'm, I'm not complaining, but, but that doesn't negate the fact that when you're a, a little kid and you think everyone hates you yeah. and you're being bullied and you have this twitching and you can't read and you know, you don't know what's wrong with you. Mm. You, you really start to hurt yourself. Mm. And, and, uh, you know, I had all those issues and, and those transpired into extreme, you know, I smoked, you know, four to eight packs of cigarettes, a camel on filters a day while simultaneously smoking cigars, while simultaneously chewing Copenhagen tobacco, while drinking a case or a fifth of whiskey a day. You know, I go to a bar, get whiskey, wine and beer, smoke cigars, cigarettes and chew tobacco at the same time. It's extremism, right? Jeez. So that's the OCD. It's it's part of the extremism. And yeah. so mine quickly turned into um, addictions because addictions are when you don't know how or don't want to face reality. You use a crutch, and the mm-hmm. crutch is alcohol, tobacco. You know, mm-hmm. we know the deal can be food, caffeine, heroin, uh, violence. Uh, you know, you name it, right? And I got exposed to all that madness. But, but now let's use your theme of of um, uh, you know yeah. going in the instead of poor me. I, I learned how to take obsessive compulsive disorder, the extremism, mm. and then I quit drinking, smoking, swearing, or tried to. Uh, um, I didn't realize at the time I was wearing Tourette's. Uh, I was yeah. just trying to clean up my act, right? So I quit drinking, smoking, chewing tobacco. Uh, but I also threw in eating meat, caffeine, uh, all dairy, etc., all in the same half an hour. I went from being, uh, you know, your public enemy number one, antisocial, uh, um, drinking, you know, just crazy madness to a complete vegan with a compost toilet and, wow. you know, studying yoga. 
I mean, I just went, so I used the powers that were killing me, Yeah. and I used them to convert. And that's so you really what you opened with. Yeah, you yes, flipped sir. it, and you turned it, well, positive, even though, it, you know, I suppose you can be just as destructive by being extreme at veganism or, or whatever. I mean, not really, but you know what I mean. But you flipped it, and you took this thing in your life that was killing you or people were killing you that were around you and you're like you know what i'm going to turn it around here and i'm going to i'm going to use this extremism this ocd all this stuff and i'm going to get it together that's huge not a lot of people can pull that off even in a normal sense uh, uh, well said and, and and as you know i uh um i i uh all i ever so one day my dad said to me he said listen son straight up you're a major f up okay huh. You do nothing right. Um, you have, they wanted to hold you back in kindergarten. And every year, you know, my dad was a, a wealthy, respected, uh, self-made, uh, typical Italian contractor. Mm-hmm. And, and he would say, well, listen, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's off to a slow start like I was. But you see, uh, I'm a respected pillar in the community. And, and uh, um, he will be too. Trust me, I know my own son. <laughs> Not to mention, uh, hey, do you guys need... You know, so so, you know, at wow. the end of the day, yeah. the school is extorting my family, right? Because uh, they need stuff. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Right. So, so pardon me. So the the uh, so what? <clears throat> excuse me. So what ends up happening is uh, <clears throat> essentially my father kind of buys my way um, through. He says, "Listen, you whatever you do." you've got to get through high school. Otherwise you're just going to be a deadbeat loser. And look, I'm sorry. I know you got the twitch and then this and that, but you know, when, you know, buck up, man, everybody's got problems. And it was that hard, tough love approach that was very difficult. But at the same time, um, it, it, uh, uh, it can become empowering. So I remember I was like 16 years old. Excuse me. I still got a little bit of a high, high altitude cough from our Mount Everest, uh, climb, but, um, uh, I was on a bridge with my dad, yeah. and he said, "You know what, MFR? I'm just going to throw you off this." It's a be- he goes, the, uh, "I don't know if we should let you go to prison. Um, I don't know if we should send you to another country. Uh, maybe I should just get it over with right now and save you a lifetime of pain. I should just throw you off this bridge." How old he were goes, you? I think I was 16. Oh, and my, my dad was my, uh, you know, straight up. My dad was a uh, low-level Italian gangster, if you will, yeah. who got sentenced to vietnam instead of prison and and uh um so at the end of the day um he came back from vietnam a changed person but you're you still you still you're still who you are so to speak so my dad was a former tough guy and talked like one and um you know it was he was a hardcore kind of dude so he said hey listen you know when you know, yeah. call the ambulance, right? Uh, huh. You got Tourette's, big effing deal, huh. uh, and blah, 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 blah. And then he said, listen, what are you going to do with your life? And here's what I said. I said, well, I, I want to go to West Point. <laughs> and my dad goes, West Point? The military academy? And I said, yeah, yes, sir. And he said, are you kidding me? He goes, listen, I don't even know if we can get you into prison. We need to lower the standards, <laughs> my friend. And, you know, so my dad Jeez. wasn't trying he wasn't trying to demotivate me. My dad was a pragmatic, practical, yeah. you know, he's real. like, listen, yeah, you yeah. can't even get through high school. You're definitely not going to West Point. He goes, let me tell you something. Two guys are hiding in a bush with guns. And there's two other guys on the other side from a different team hiding in the bush with guns. They're looking to kill each other. 
You know, we're talking like dead, for real. Goodbye. And uh, guess what happens? One side is going to kill the other side. And how do you think that happens? You know, I'm 16. I have no idea. Yeah. And, and uh, just, I just wear his old uniforms, you know, for Halloween. And all I ever want. I'm seeking my dad's approval because I could never get it. Yeah. So, so, so he says, listen, uh, you either make a noise or you, or you make a movement and the other guy sees it. And bang, bang, you're dead. Now, you have an uncontrollable noise-making, uncontrollable movement-making disease. Uh, we are not going in the Army. Huh. And uh, I'm like, uh, okay. So so um, they. Huh. So here's, here's how it ends up. Obviously, you know the end of the story. I end up in the Army. But, but, but uh, my dad comes home one day and says, listen, I don't know what it is. But, uh, you know, you like hanging out with, uh, you know, your aunts and your grandma and your mom and your sisters in the kitchen cooking food. Uh, you know, um, what he was really getting at is uh, uh, you're probably gay. And uh, another reason why you're not going to go in the army because you're going to get beat up. Well, um, it doesn't. Who cares if I'm gay or not? I, I'm not. But but that's what my dad, you know, yeah. a real man was insinuating. Right. Well, no, I was in the kitchen with my grandmother and my aunt, my mom, my sisters, because they didn't they, they didn't yell and scream and beat me yeah. for having Tourette's. Right. So yeah. it was a safe zone. But but what that translated into was an understanding and a love for food. So ultimately, I ended up going to the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America, in Hyde Park, a world famous chef school. And, wow. uh, um, I'm, you know, my dad came home one day and he said, listen, you're not going to believe it. President Eisenhower after World War II was really impressed with all the food they ate while they were shooting people over in France and everywhere else in uh, Italy and et cetera. Uh -huh. And in order to uh, kind of heal everybody, he reached out to a German chef and, uh, and an Italian chef and, our, and, and a Japanese chef and our, our former enemies and said, look, I want to start a chef school um, and uh, I want to uh, 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 invite our former enemies, our allies, and everybody over. Let's heal. World War II is over. Let's get together. You guys have great cultures, and we're going to respect your culture. And he bought a building uh, off of the Catholic Church, the first building ever built by the Catholic Church. This is in upstate New York. Uh, Cornell, West Point, uh, um, Vassar College, the FDR estate, all right near the Vanderbilt Mansion, like right in that area. Of, of famousness about an hour and a half north of New York City yeah. and a beautiful, beautiful building, you know, $100 million in gold, just like you would see a, a Catholic, uh, 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 you know, uh, an old uh, Roman Catholic building with all the uh, paintings on the ceiling. Really neat place right on the Hudson River to be a college and the first stu six students were World War II veterans. Huh. And, and uh, yeah, today it's got the highest concentration per capita of veterans. No uh, veterans and military, very similar. Got to get up early. Logistics got to be correct. You know, you can't feed people and poison them, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so I, I, right. I end up at the chef school. My, so my dad comes home and says, listen, you're going to love it. We found a school in New York. Actually, one of your cousins went there, and he's a famous chef. And you seem to be good in the kitchen. And the great news is all of the chefs are from their prospective countries around the world. Hmm. So just like you, they don't know how to read and write and speak English either. You're going to do great. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, so I ended up in this chef school oh, where it's, yeah. it's monkey see, monkey do. And so what happens is, uh, you know, like Stevie Wonder, obviously, <clears throat> is blind. So he's developed coping skills to deal with not having his eyes he can hear better than us he's musically you know etc anybody uh who's trying to 
improvise, adapt, and overcome develops coping skills. Well, so I have to develop a photographic memory because I I don't have rote memory, R-O-T-E, because of the phonographical loop and the dyslexia. You know, I've eventually graduated from college, learned how to read and write, but that was all self-taught. I couldn't learn that in school because the the application was inappropriate and and the environment was toxic. So uh, at the end of the day, I ended up in a school, and I realized that all I got to do is watch and huh. emulate. Well, that's how, that's my learning. Uh, that's my coping skill. So I kill it in chef school, huh. graduate early, get a fellowship. I get picked up by president Ford, uh, decorated world war two officer. I'm, I'm not a white house chef. I was what uh, known as a banquet chef. Uh-huh. And, uh, he lived in Vail, college in the summer uh-huh. and he lived in, uh, uh, West pa- or I'm sorry, pa- uh, Palm Springs in the, in the winter, uh, uh-huh. right. You know, between Bob Hope and Sinatra and, you know, just like that old crew did. Yeah. And so he, he had something called the world forum, Tom. Yeah. Well, he had 50 world leaders from around the world. Ford was famous for this. Huh. And I remember one time, uh, he would call Henry Kissinger, the doc. He called me son or twisty. Cause I had Tourette's and, and, you know, they were just direct, right back then that that generation he said listen the doc and i are going to give you a shot i got some friends coming over for dinner and uh, we want to see how you're doing because he was he was born in kansas but moved to michigan when he was six he was a quintessential michigander you know famous football player congressman so he wanted a michigan chef and i qualified somehow i got hired by him and and uh so the dinner guests were helmet cole francois Mitterrand. you know (laughs) so you're talking the presidents of the of the g5 right so the italian premier the french president the German president, et cetera. And, and uh, I asked him, I said, sir, well, who are we having dinner with? So I know what to prepare. Two Secret Service guys jump in. You cannot ask the president this stuff. And he goes, easy. He goes, easy, boys. It's my chef. You can kill him later. And, and so, so, so uh, he tells me. And I'm like, he could see I was intimidated, right? How am I going to make food for the French and the Italian and the German presidents? You know, yeah. just, you know they're some of the greatest food eaters. And, you know, they have access to all the cuisine. He said, listen up. He goes, we got one thing they don't have. We got Texas steer, baby. We're doing, we're doing my favorite mashed potatoes, corn, mashed potatoes, gravy, corn, <laughs> and, and Texas steer, you know, steak, right? You know, mm-hmm. now, obviously you're a chef. You're going to make this stuff taste great. These guys got nothing on you. Go to town. Yeah. And so that was my tester, right? I had to cook for the G5 and I, I did, I made That's it. Insane. I got hired. So a year later, Tom, and then and then I'll, I'll shut up so you can ask some questions. But uh, a year a year later, the president comes down. You're the only chef we got that wears a mohawk, uh, jungle boots, and combat fatigues. You think maybe you missed your calling? Now I still have my traditional white uh, chef's coat on. Yeah. But I'm yeah. wearing camouflage pants, jungle boots. You know what I mean? And, and I don't have a mohawk. That's just what he called it. But I had a, what's known as a high and tight, a very tight military crew cut. Right. Right. Did, exactly. He, he, he knew I was gung-ho and good to go. And, and I said, sir, I've always wanted to join the military. He goes, no, no, I know. Uh, uh, you know, it's the president, right? They know everything about yeah. uh, me and my dad and everybody before we get hired. He says, listen, I know your dad doesn't like the idea, and I get it. But uh, the truth is, uh, uh, and remember, he was a decorated World War II officer. So he said, look, I am under the impression that anybody who wants to serve their country should at least be given a chance to try. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, I know some people. Um, do you want to try? Huh. And I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, that's how I got into the military. No which, 
with Tourette's syndrome. And I get there, right? They're like, oh, this is going to be great. Direct commission to captain. You already have a college degree. The president's assigned you. You're going to go to Fort Lee, Virginia, and you're going to cook for generals. And I'm like, uh, huh? No, I'm not. And they're like, what? Yo, yes, you are. (laughs) And, 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 uh, right, there's two MPs there, and these guys are under direct orders. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. And we got in this fight. And I said, guys, I know this sounds crazy. But straight up, I totally respect you. But the truth is, at the end of the day, I know what I want, and I know what i got to get. And if you guys can't give me what I need, I, I know this sounds bananas, but I'm going to call the president. And, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> and, no you, know you just imagine you know, Joe Snuppy telling these hardcore military guys, these Vietnam vets, I'm going to call the president. Oh, okay, kid, shut yeah. up, smack. Good luck with but, that. Yeah, yeah well, but in my situation, they're like, hmm. Uh, this guy can call the president. Okay, so the guy says, what do you want? So I want to be a Green Beret. Uh-huh. He goes, a Green Beret? Oh, uh-huh. no, uh-uh, uh-uh. That, we're not doing that. And, and then he goes, oh, now, hang God. on a second. What the hell is this? And he, and he, right in the middle of the conversation, right? So what's happening is I'm feeling stress. I'm losing my temporary daily control over my Tourette's. Most people don't notice. I've learned how to control it. Sure. And it's slipping out in this army captain uh, who was formerly enlisted two tours in Vietnam, got hit by a nearside ambush. His face is all beat up from a claymore of mine. Wow. I mean, we're talking hard. This guy is noble, can see through everything. You know, got 18 years in the military. And he's like, wait a second. What, uh, what the hell? What's wrong with your neck? And, I, and I'm like, uh, nothing, sir. And I'm starting to twitch, right? Oh. And then so, yeah, it's starting to come out. And so at the end of the day, they're like, uh, listen, uh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the hell is wrong with you. You're some kind of a goofball. You're on drugs. But all this uh, jerking, twitching, you know, goofy banana stuff here, you're just going to go into detainment for right now. I know you know the president, but I don't really care anymore. You're a little bit of a nut job. We need to get the, uh, you know, the guys down here and observe you and, you know, all this other crazy stuff, right? And I'm having difficulty because they want to go into special operations. Anyways, you already know the drill. I end end up making it in special operations and, and against all odds. And I get there my first day. And uh, uh, um, uh, after, you know, a year of just uh, of, of beating everybody else out, totally impossible. And I finally get assigned to my first unit. Now you're at the bottom of the mountain. Now you got to climb. <laughs> and the uh, 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 same thing happens, right? Like, like right in the middle of, of a conversation where this guy's just beating the hell out of us. Yeah. He says, hey, what the hell is wrong with you, boy? And, and, uh, and I'm like, nothing, Sergeant. He goes, nothing. He goes, I see you got a little, I don't know what the hell is wrong with you, boy. He says, get over here. And oh. so here I'm standing in front of this NCO at Parade Rest. And he goes, do you know what sniper school is, boy? Uh-huh. And, and with this huge Texas draw, and I'm like, negative, Sergeant. He goes, that's where you go. He goes, that's where you get to go sit still for 18 hours a day for eight weeks straight. You're going to, you're going to, uh, you're going to sniper school. In other words, we're getting rid of you immediately. No way. Yeah, because we don't know what's wrong with you, my man. But, but uh, I know one thing for sure. When the sniper school instructors get a hold of you, they're going to have you locked up in prison. Oh so, my goodbye. God. We'll get, well, so guess what? Yeah. I have Tourette's, but I also have OCD. Yeah. So here's what happens next, right? Um, I may wow. flop around and this and that and the other, which will get you killed. So you got to figure out how to deal with that. That's for a different story. I'll tell you how I got through everything. But now, the, now the situation is, when the Tourette's stops, yeah, then the 
OCD starts, mm. and now all of a sudden, right, I can put bullets through the same hole at a thousand meters. Uh. And the next, yep. So, so uh, once again, using. So here's what I say: a gift is a curse until you realize it's a gift. Huh. And so, so I'm starting to learn to use my gifts, right? And 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 so now all of a sudden. Um, uh, hmm. I, I have the ability so I can, uh, for whatever, I don't know if it's idiot savantness. Uh, there's a lot of similarities to uh, hmm. Huntsman's to, uh, autism and to Asperger's and Tourette's all kind of like the same, uh, similar DNA distortion. So I can look at a building and know how many windows there are, hmm. uh, I, you know, reading and writing and all that was really difficult, but I can do uh, outrageous square root, uh, mathematical problems, hmm. but two plus two, I uh, can get wrong. Um, you know, so there's, there's, it's just, you know, we all have something and there's a lot of mystical things out there. So for some crazy reason, I can evaluate or what's known as estimate range. Yeah. So I can look at a target and go, that's 820 meters. And, and, uh, and then crazy. adjust my weapon systems and then make the shot. So I become one of the, the best shooters of all time in, in the military with amazing records and all kinds of stuff. And uh, that saved me because I was known as a little quirky little weirdo, but I could, I could throw down. And, and when you're a sniper, you're covering the team. So I'm taking care of business, and I just end up known as a guy who shows up early, carries more than my fair share, stays late little bit of a nut job but i can i can sling bullets like there's no tomorrow Crazy. and so i built this reputation inside the the special operations community where i'm still respected today i eventually went on to an intelligence agency and spent 20 years there uh, uh as a contractor and so i've worked on national security for our nation for over 26 years wow i still still a contractor today not doing national security stuff anymore now we're designing a building i've switched now i design and build medical facilities and supply them versus designing a building uh or or or, or distributing weapon systems and or going on missions and eliminating threats so i've gone from you know uh doing business from the, the from the business side of uh, of uh, high-end weapon systems to building literally bridges infrastructure uh, um, hospitals education centers you know in life you 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 have a choice to enlighten mature yeah. uh consider what you did earlier and and you know i i have no regrets and and i don't look back on anything i did but today it's about charity philanthropy um third world developing countries how do, how do we take my knowledge and skill from the military national security side and growing up as a construction contractor <laughs> and then becoming a construction contractor and combining the diplomacy the ability to reach out to the state department the agency and all these other things that i can do that the average joe can't do yeah combine that with philanthropy etc and do goodwill throughout the world you know that, that's put me in that place and i so I, I look back now and it's like I, I'm so I'm the luckiest guy in the world and I'm super grateful and and but the first 25 years of my life were pure hell and suicidal and madness and I hated myself and everybody mm. else and I've gone I've flipped and gone full circle I'm, mm. I'm I'm just fortunate and I'm grateful period incredible because you just there was something welled up inside of you and you 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 weren't quitting I mean obviously I'm sure there were some pretty dark years let alone days in there but something welled up inside you you had a couple what people might say lucky breaks but i don't sure. i don't think either of us really believe in luck i think we're you both, create your own luck yeah you you create your own you know successes or failures and you know so for a person listening to this not just a person with tourette's with a with just a person who's looking to kind of like like look at like 
take well here without pointing it outward i'm 57 years old and i feel like i still have so much more to accomplish and the typical human thing is is you know so, sometimes in those periods of 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 a lack of of confidence or whatever you start to repeat those defeating uh things and now i don't really do that but but uh, you know no i'm with you in general i hear where you're going i don't think it's ever too late or or i don't think there's any obstacle too great for someone to overcome and i i hope that people listen to this whether they have tourette's or they just want to get their act together that they can go like whoa so for 25 years this guy was abused beaten even his old man called him up you know you're a loser i might as well just throw you off the bridge and get this over with now and you are you know a lot of people don't know unless they were to i don't even know if you could find this on the internet but you became not just a good businessman an extremely successful businessman you said you were building bridges buildings um that's no small feat so you are kicking ass which is a probably an understatement and you're a happy guy man you just exude positivity in in anywhere you go it's pretty it's pretty impressive and uh so what would you what what does somebody do what does a kid or a young person with Tourette's or a person old with Tourette's what do they do how does somebody get over that stuff well the uh thanks for the nice words the, yeah. uh, um the the uh in my in my opinion um what I, what I did uh first of all de- deficient with dyslexia and all the other madness right so i I was so behind that i I read uh two thousand uh books yeah. <laughs> and periodicals and articles um once I taught myself how to really read mm. <clears throat> excuse me and uh um i I got really involved and a couple of different things. I, I, I knew that I wanted to learn. I, I, I knew there was some attachment to the East hmm. um, from a, I just, I, I, I don't know <clears throat> if I saw something along the way, had a premonition, an epiphany. I'm not sure where it came from, but I knew I needed to learn to meditate, do yoga, hmm. study Tai Chi. Uh, and, you know, 30 years ago that, you know, today there's 25 million uh, vegetarians in the country and 25 million, you know, yogi practi- yoga practitioners, apparently. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so so um, back then, though, it didn't, it wasn't really... Um, it didn't make a lot of. It just uh, that's not what you did, right? You 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 know, uh, martial arts came here first, because that was our real first Asian influence, and mm-hmm. that also helped me, right? Because the discipline. But but at the end of the day, um, I I started realizing that there was uh, the, like the triunion, mind, body, spirit, um, etc. And if you look at my corporations, they're all called Trilla, Trilla something, Trilla Med, Trilla Corp. Hmm. Uh, and I wanted to base them off of. Um, uh, just uh, the mental, physical, spiritual aspect of life. And so I started delving deeper ah, cool. into the spiritual side, into the, um, uh, uh, the physical side and, and, uh, uh, really the emotional mental side. And, and I was, I just started reading, I mean, every self-help book I could get my hands on all kinds of stuff. I, I, I studied nutrition, obviously in school, but mm. I went back as an adult. And went back and started studying at Cornell and other places that you know that were tippy top, and and uh, you know thirty years of veganism and uh, um, 
or 30 years as a vegetarian. I think I've been vegan for like 20, I don't even know anymore, 20 some years. And, and, uh, and, and you know me, you see me, right? I'm, I don't look like a dithering, bent over, uh, you know, a daisy that's lacking water, right? I mean, I'm 200 plus pounds. I spent years <laughs> in special operations, uh, you know, as a vegetarian. I mean, I hauled ass up on Everest. Yeah. Uh, Right. I mean, and there's a reason for all that. Right. It's it's study. Uh, so I got deep into food and food science and nutrition and yoga and meditation. And you look at things like um, a good example would be uh, um, excitotoxins. That's probably a good a, a good place to start. So if, mm. if you were um, from a nutritional perspective, I realized that uh, what I wanted to do uh, was uh, purify my body and cleanse it mm-hmm. mentally, physically, spiritually, the whole nine yards. And I, and I said, a real, you know, food, food is actually a drug. Mm-hmm. And so every time you put something inside your body, um, it's, it's cause and effect. Right. And I mm-hmm. started, I started getting really intense uh, into that. And I started realizing that um, I'm not anti-coffee, anti-alcohol. I wear leather shoes. I don't care if you hunt. I'm yeah. not on a, a California vegan, save the planet, pita green trip. Um, I, <laughs> I do this because, and God bless all of them. But, but yeah. my point is, I, I, I'm not here to join a movement so I can belong. I yeah. created my own movement so I could thrive and excel. And so back to your question, what other people do, whether you're, you know, you want to get your act together or maybe your act is together and you just want to double it and up your game. Yeah. Maybe you do have Tourette's, maybe you're an alcoholic, maybe you have, maybe you have active, you know, maybe you're afraid of spiders. I mean, maybe huh. you just have phobia issues. So all of those things, my, my opinion, my opinion, 30 years, uh-huh. 30 years of, of studying this independently, studying it at, at, at fine universities, um, Having at one time the largest vegetarian festival in the world, uh, having over 400,000 hits on the website in the 90s, having thousands of doctors from around the world uh, who were really unique, trying to make a difference, reaching out. So my own independent studies, I, mm. I, you know, I've developed a lot of information for myself, and what I've learned mm. is that the purer the diet, the simpler the lifestyle, the clearer the mind. Uh, um, not, you know, document, you know, so it's a meditation yoga. It's, it's some type of a practice, mm-hmm. um, where that you can rely and depend upon because in, in life, you know, there, there's the Eastern philosophy, uh, essentially is that nothing can make you happy or sad except for yourself. I tell a mm-hmm. joke to three people, one guy cries, the other uh, person laughs and the other person just stares at me. That's, <laughs> those are their problems. Yeah. And, and you you make your own decisions and we love to say, Oh, you made me so mad. Mm-hmm. No, you allowed yourself to get angry because yeah. you didn't control your emotions. Yeah. And, and so we have, a, you know, so it's emotional intelligence by Daniel Goleman. Yeah. I mean, that's a very important book to read. Right. Uh, uh, you know, so I could give you a list of uh, top 10 books that are, that are, that I, you know, maybe we follow up and put some stuff on oh, the yeah. website I'll put so it... we do it correctly. Oh yeah. But, but in my opinion, the, 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 the most defining factor, uh, in all of this, and it isn't just me. It's it's uh, almost 15 years now of raising millions of dollars through our military charity and empowering, mm-hmm. uh, you know, blind amputee and severely disabled veterans with post traumatic stress disorder. I've had it too, hmm. and um, uh, you know, been through the suicide, been through the the, the alcohol stuff, uh, been homeless, homeless mm. veteran. I've done all this myself, 
And then I've also, you know, done a lot of work with veterans. I've seen the gun go off. I've heard the gun go off over the phone. But I've also had oh, wow. a, talked a lot of people out of the madness. And, you know, now we take them climbing and all kinds of stuff. So what I've learned of my own accord mm. is that at, at, at the end of the day, if you want to step up and make something of yourself, despite the madness that's water under the bridge, mm-hmm. you've got to say to yourself, you know what? I am what I am. It is what it is. And I'm going to move forward. And now moving forward, I need a mentor. I need someone who's been through this before so I can have a guide. Mm -hmm. And I also am going to have to spend some real dedicated time and research. I'm going to have to learn some stuff. going to have to make some real changes. It's easy Mm. to sit in front of the couch and watch potato chips in your favorite (laughs) TV program, but it's never crowded on the extra mile. You know, (laughs) potato chips are poison, and so is the TV Uh, overall. You know, nothing against potato chips in moderation, nothing against television. But if you're going to eat junk food and watch TV, I guess you're really not serious about making changes in your life are you Mm. so you gotta grab it by the cojones and get serious Mm -hmm. and if we want to have a follow-up on 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 like treatment remedies self you know healing and all that stuff maybe that's a second show or maybe Mm -hmm. maybe it's a written uh version uh that includes links and ideas to books but but happy to go into another segment and share what that was like how i went through that and and some of the things that i think there are some books that are just classic. If you read them, I know they will help you. Yeah. And some some minor diet changes. I'm expected to become a vegan mm-hmm. and start studying yoga tomorrow and give everything up cold turkey. Right. Uh, it, you know that that not advisable, honestly. It's yeah. about a it's a right. Let's get a one year plan and step by step, let's huh. help change our lives. Wow. I'm open to help mentor or work with anybody. It doesn't take very long to send a text message or an email to someone and mm-hmm. try to help them out. Send them a few books. Try to empower them. Uh, be available for someone, especially a kid with Tourette's who oh, yeah. who's getting bullied. His parents. Yeah. Maybe they understand, but don't know how to help. Maybe mm-hmm. they don't understand, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So if mm-hmm. I can help uh, any of your listeners, Tom, I'm, I'm available. That is so, that is awesome. Um, man, you hit a couple of points in there. And, I, you know, with, without making this, this individual episode of the podcast like five hours long, you nailed some of the essences of life and you know you have a conversation with especially young people but but all through their lives people who uh, you know go around pretty angry at others for their you know for whatever situation they might find themselves in their lives and um the minute people do that it is really denying a lot of the truth of, of, of what it's all about because we bring ourselves to this planet through our relationships, right? So, no question. So if, so if you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, I mean, even, even in a, a relationship that might, okay, let's just even just take a mildly abusive relationship. It doesn't have to be a romantic one. But a, a, let's just say that there's a, a friendship or a relationship where one friend just kicks the crap out of the other person, whether it's like, you know, passive-aggressive, aggressive or directly speaking and that person is like i'm victimized by x y and z i'm victimized by that person what people don't often take responsibility for is their part in in investing in even the abusive relationships and there's something they're getting out of it and and it really takes a change of perspective for someone to step outside of it and go you know what 
I was directly involved in that. I was 50% of that relationship, whether it's a bad marriage or whatever. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. You just walk away if you have kids and your husband is, you know, verbally abusing you in public and you don't know how to get out of it. But but it's about taking responsibility for your situation totally. and also being pleased and happy with whatever situations are offered to us because it's usually the trigger stuff, like the bad stuff that make that gives us this opportunity to grow and get better, right? And so here you are, you had, man, you had it all going against you. You could have shot somebody and been in jail for the rest of your life and nobody would have got, I wouldn't have gotten to know you. You could have jumped off a bridge, your dad could have thrown you off the bridge and here you are, you're a successful businessman, you're positive, you empower other people. It's like, man, just keep spreading the vibe. So of the, how many people will listen to this podcast? I hope that in the list at the bottom of this podcast, I want you, I'm, I'm going to ask you to email me a list of books or a, an organization to go to, whether I don't even know if there's a Tourette organization out there, there is. or you, stuff like that. Pe- people need to have the heart and the understanding that it is possible to make, make their lives better. And man, are you are, you're like an amazing example of it. It's just like, Freaking crazy, man! The stuff you've done. It, it. You, well, you wrote a book, didn't you? I know. I'm, and I and you had to. You had to. It. It can't even be out there because half of what you did is secret. Is that not true or something? Yeah. If you <laughs> if you are uh, there's a couple of Navy SEALs out there who uh, wrote some books recently and mm-hmm. just published them, and uh, they're in a lot of trouble. Ah. So the protocol is mm-hmm. when you want to talk about the U.S. Department of Defense and or the U.S. intelligence agencies um, Hmm. from the perspective of being a former member of them, Uh, um, you go get permission. It's just the right protocol. I'm not interested in releasing uh, any secrets or causing any grief. I, I, you know, I'm looking to tell a story. Hmm. And uh, the problem is they've been so busy, uh, obviously, with the madness the last 20 years that it kind of sits a little bit. But then I've also gotten some feedback, which is, you know, um, I'm hmm. a good guy. I'm not anti-government. I, I, you know, none of that. I'm a team player. But the bottom line is you, you also got to talk about some things, too. Hmm. And uh, hmm. I'll give you I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know, we love to say uh, uh, the media does. Um, cops are racist and they kill people all the time, especially people of color. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, that's, uh, that's human nature. That's not police. Uh, are there bad cops? Absolutely. Huh. Are there bad yeah. people throughout the world? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's not cops that are inherently bad. Uh, they're inherently good. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it is, it is, it is some individuals who are, uh, you know, terrible human beings. No question. That's human nature. So, um, mm. I experienced racism, um, in the military, uh, like substantially, I mean, it was really, really, Hmm. it was just, there's two really ugly, ugly stories where someone, uh, was just a hardcore, they get in, right? I mean, Hmm. they, they just, it just, they get in. This was a hardcore white power dude Hmm. who, who told me that I was, uh, uh, you know, I'm a Northern Catholic Italian. And, and as far as he's concerned, uh, enemy number one, and he actually tried to get me hurt. He tried to get me, um, 
uh, sent, he tried to get me caught in a training exercise in a crossfire where I would be shot. That's oh, pretty serious. <laughs> yeah, that's just, just an angry, angry human being. Eventually the military, uh, someone else turned him in for something else, and yeah. then he got tossed. And he was a great soldier, but just a terrible human being. Yeah. And then he became a state police officer, and he, he, he got three years of awards. And then they found out that all of his tickets went to African-Americans and Hispanics, oh. and he'd never pulled over a white person. <laughs> so then, then they kicked him out of the police department. Now he owns a rifle range. Great. Uh, now he's training people So in North Georgia. So, so no anyways, kidding. I hope, I, huh. Absolutely. Yeah. hope that he can one day evolve as a human being and not be so hateful. But the bottom line was, uh, just, a, just a quick tidbit, I got a buddy of mine who stands up and yells, Camp! You know, my last name's Camp and yeah. you end up with nicknames in the military. Camp! Run! 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 I'm like, what? We're on a training exercise. Am I getting in trouble? i got to do what I'm supposed to do. We're in what's called a live fire exercise, right? Yeah. These are, you know, I'm in special operations, and it's not a joke. I mean, we're huh. preparing for war constantly, right? And yeah. going to war. And, and it was real ugly. And then I saw another good brother of mine, unfortunately, who's committed suicide. Um, you know, mm. we got a suicide uh, every hour. Mm. Over 130,000 since turn of the century veterans are committing suicide, mm. 22 to 25 a day. And for mm. all kinds of, you know, uh, PTSD-related issues. So one of my, uh, I have 47 brothers who have been killed in action or committed suicide. Oh, and, um, yeah, very, very tragic. And most are married with kids. Anyways, my buddy Lou um was uh um one of his parents was african-american and the other one was was uh caucasian mm. and and um so you know you could tell right that he had some mixture of culture or races in him yeah. and the racism i saw against him um it's only a couple people it's yeah. not the military right the military is 50 percent caucasian 50 percent not but there's a couple of you know a-holes out there mm -hmm. and i it was really despicable what happened to mark and what happened to me mm -hmm. i want to tell that story that, that i don't hate the military and i'm yeah. not calling the military racist those are two isolated incidents that should be able to be talked about but guess what department of defense is not going for it so huh. i either have to pull that out yeah. And and move forward. And I've got some other things I want to talk about, too. Yeah. Uh, but, I, yeah, I've been shut down. So bottom line is uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm busy anyways. And and quite frankly, writing the book was extremely cathartic. I don't even know if I want to – I don't really want to be known. Yeah. So if you published a book and it's a, it ends up being a great book, then i got to go meet people and be on the <laughs> – you know what? I, I, I'm i glad nobody knows who I am. It's kind of nice having yeah. anonymity. <laughs> so, anyways, there, you know, there, there's the there's the program on the book. So I have no idea what the hell we're gonna do with that. But uh, uh, anyways, thanks for letting me talk about it. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it is what it is. Well, um, well, be so. Let there's two. So two questions I want to ask you, and then I think we should talk about a future installment. But but there, but and I'm gonna tell you what they are. One, you had said something about a mentor, and then Mount yes. Everest. And what? Let's let's. First, I, I want to ask you, you, you said it's important to have a mentor when you're trying to change or shape your life. And I, I want to ask you about a mentor that you had that made a positive influence, whether this person is named or not. And then I want you to tell me just real short or as long as you want, you recently climbed Mount Everest. So those two pretty important things that I want to make sure that I get to. So let's start with, with a mentor. Do you have many or was there one or was it a spiritual mentor? How, who, who might that person have been? 
Very uh, good question. I was reading a book one time by Yogananda Paramahansa, mm-hmm. and uh, a famous yogi who came to the United States in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. He wrote uh, a 400-page book, roughly, called The Autobiography of a Yogi. I suggest everybody read that. I've read it and, probably 10 times, and I visited his place in uh, Southern California. I'm a yeah, big Paramahansa same. fan. So, yeah, same, same. yeah. So, you know, a Kriya Yoga guy, wonderful, loving human being who who really has a lot to offer. Well, he's, if you remember, uh, um, somewhere in that book, uh, he's talking about someone who's come to an ashram. Mm. And uh, when he was, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if he was a yogi yet at that point or not. If he was, he was junior. And, and you know, he had a master or a mentor or whatever. And and uh, um, I think that, that his uh, uh, guru had said to someone else, um, mm. I'm paraphrasing basically, uh, well, I guess life will have to be your guru for now. And in, in, in other words, this was a, a, a know-it-all, you know, blah, 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 something like that. Right. And, right. you know, typical, typical smart ass yogi, right? Well, Hey, listen, uh, if you came here, um, you know, to learn what it is, you know, we have to teach, you know, I'm only 87 and have studied this uh, for 80 years and, uh, you know, have a two, two foot long gray beard. And I'm reading from 3,000-year-old scripts. But, hey, you know what? You know everything, so uh, I can't be your guru. Life will just be your guru. I mean, what a, ah, what a, hey. what a great sentence. In other totally. words, you go F yourself. Good luck. And, uh, uh, you know, hope it works. Yeah. Uh, so right now, everybody does have a mentor. And, and guess who it is? It's life is your guru. So huh. if, if you want to just keep dealing with what life hands you, fine. But if you want to step up and design your life, if you would like to um, uh, uh, create your own luck, and by the way, I have to vindicate my father, uh, came full circle, became a huge pillar of the community, a mm. wonderful, loving human being. Uh, we we mended, uh, uh, mm. et cetera. And, and, you know, I used to just hate them, right? I hated everybody because yeah. everyone I thought hated me. And then you just realize, geez, my mom's first husband, uh, you know, he died from Vietnam. Uh, wow. You know, she had a drop out of high school. She was pregnant, and then she met my dad, hmm. and then he got sick right away and then started dying a violent, you know, cancerous hmm. death from Agent Orange, died in his 50s. Wow. Uh, uh, you know, just terrible time frames. Uh, I mean, just, you, you, you just look at all that madness, and you're like, God, I mean, my parents... You know, it's just so easy to be angry and blame everybody and hate yeah. it, but the truth is, God, they did the best they could. I look at it now and go, thank God, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they really did love me. They did the best they could. You just got to get over mm-hmm. all that madness and let it go. But if you don't know how to do that, and life is going to be your guru, mm-hmm. then you're just, you know, you're stuck. So so, so, how do you get a mentor? Um, first of all, you got to seek one, right? You got to you got to actually have a conscious, you know, you manifest things in your brain and they appear here in the physical world. Ultimately, if you're got a white hot burning desire for them, right? Yeah. So, so the name of the game is you got to recognize that you do need a mentor and you got to put that vibration out there that you know what I actually think I need a mentor, mm-hmm. and then and then pay attention because the universe will send you hints and signals. My first mentor was uh, you have default mentors right i had a squad leader in the military who was an exceptional human being i just looked up to yeah i yeah. had a lot of people in life that i looked up to and i wanted to emulate them and i did and and, and by default 
I had people that I read books about that uh, I, I also was very impressed with. They became mentors. Even, you know, people that were uh, Socrates was a decorated combat veteran, right? I mean, a book. Yeah. You know, I read I read the Greeks extensively, and I really looked up to Socrates. I mean, it really did. Huh. Plato. I mean, these guys gave. I mean, they really have something to say. So, so uh, hmm. a lot of philosopher generals from Asia. Uh, just ancient beings that really had their rear and gear. Buddha, Buddha mm-hmm. had a lot to say. Jesus has a lot to say. Yeah. Mother Teresa, Gandhi, a lot of prophets in our time frame who mm-hmm. have a lot of wonderful things to say. I, Christ was correct, right? If it's what was his number one message? Unconditional love. Yeah. Well, that includes that includes yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't heal yourself. And most of us, if we just treated yeah. our family pets, mm. right, the world would be a better place. So, how do you <laughs> find a mentor? My first original mentor was Dr. Harvey Hohauser. He's still alive today. And, and uh, I, I don't know, we just met, and the universe has its way. And, and uh, he's a father figure. Uh, I know his kids. Um, oh, you know, cool. retired, you know, former, yeah, university professor. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And a successful businessman. And he taught me, he put me on a charity and taught me charity. And I'm, he really was an official you know, he had the education. He was just so intelligent, just huh. a wonderful human being. He took the time to, to help me when I was probably 30 um, become professional because my parents, you know, mom didn't even make it through high school. I mean, they just they were just part of that that era, right, where they just got slammed and had to go to work. And, and uh, uh, you know, I didn't have that access to high-level, organized, intelligent, professional people. No, I shouldn't say intelligent, educated, professional people that had access, that had, you know, it's all about knowledge. It's all about, you know, if you're ignorant or arrogant, I mean, you just, you miss it. So so I was very lucky. So people do need to find a mentor. I mentor an extraordinary amount of people. And I just, I think it's in life, it's not what you do, it's what you empower others to do that ultimately counts. I believe in karma. I think we reincarnate. Um, I think a lot of the stuff you have in this life is carryover karma from the last life. And Mm. um, you got to design. My dad used to say, hey, if you're not willing to plan for your future, you can't have one. This is my new dad, my improved dad, right? He really got his rear in gear, and that yeah. helped us too. Uh, he used to also say this to his employees all the time. Guys, listen, I'm working for you. I got the dough. I'm golden. You've seen the house. I'm working for you. You guys have got to pay attention here. If you don't want to work on your future, now I guess you can just work on mine. Just keep working <laughs> on mine because you're doing a great job. I'm buying shit left and right. And he was trying to like break them. Now I have lots of employees, right? 140 Jeez. at an eyeglass factory and, and Biloxi that makes 800 pairs of eyeglasses a day for the Veterans Administration. Wow. Average eyeglass in the VA takes six to eight weeks. Our stuff's done in two days. Uh, I've got uh, 25 employees at Trillomad in Michigan. It's our medical distribution company. Uh, I got them all over the place and uh, I love them. They're dedicated to us. They're extended family i care about them i want them to have a great life yeah and and i i i, I want to offer stuff to them so so wow. you're mentoring um in different ways all the time and 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 you can be mentored in other ways too but i'm suggesting an actual mentor you actually have to find someone who has the time money effort uh love willingness to actually take a put oh, let me say it this way sorry it's just hanging on uh, uh mm-hmm. let's say a guy's walking down the street homeless dude you give him a 20 that's a random act of kindness yeah and god bless you for doing it but the truth is 
that you're not helping that person. That person uh, 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 has financial issues. Yeah. That person is homeless. That person is addicted. That person has all kinds of issues. You know, if you're really going to help that person, providing they want help, um, you have to dedicate your life to a certain extent. Mentoring is for real. Right. And, and so not so easy to find someone who's just going to take the time. But I got news for you. Mm-hmm. If you really want it, and you're really trying to become an exceptional human being. You put the vibe out there that you that you need help. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an old saying when the, when the uh, uh, a student is ready, the teacher appears. But I got news for you: mm-hmm. when the when the teacher is ready, the student appears. It's a two way street, mm-hmm. and 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 it's just as gracious to receive as it is to give. If I want to give you something and you accept it, you've allowed me to give. Giving is important in life, as we know. Receiving mm-hmm. is important, too. Most of us have trouble receiving, yeah. but you got to do both. So bottom line is we probably should have another segment on mentoring. It's, yeah. it's too difficult to cover in one shot, but it's so <laughs> vital. But in the meantime, um, find uh, idols through books and find idols through people who exist today. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's uh, The Rock, Dwayne, whatever his name is. The, yeah. You know, he seems seems like a nice guy, a good yeah. character. I mean, no one's infallible, but, I mean, he's a positive, you know, human being. I mean, let that guy be your mentor. Uh, get in shape, be a good human being, yeah. work your ass off. That's, yeah. that's what that guy, that's what that guy exudes, Truth. right? And, and so make him a mentor. Uh, you know, uh, but ultimately you want one that you can reach out to in times of need so you can get guidance whether it's mental physical spiritual financial yeah yeah they're not easy to find um but of course they're not easy to find Mm. Uh, but but if you find one and you will if you really want to then that's a a secret but until then you need a default mentor yeah that's freaking yeah man well as you said i like that the idea of life power mahanza but but a human being that can feed you back is pretty clutch totally you know totally easier said than done but should be a focus and yeah. and uh, by the way you may think you want one a real mentor you know there's the old saying right uh uh you know bob over here might not tell you you got i'm sorry something on your face yeah but i will i will <laughs> you know a, tr- a true friend is gonna tell you yeah and, and uh, right how do i look today oh you look so good All right right and, and and the truth is you're like oh my god that doesn't match you look fat you know you <laughs> should tell your friends the truth but the truth is brutal yeah the so truth a real is mentor hard. will tell you the truth so be careful what you ask for wow. right and and uh, but anyways that's the ticket i know you want to ask about mount everest for both yeah. climbers the government put me in the climbing Mm. And uh, uh, because of the, 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 the level of unit that I served in, he had massive exposure. My first day on a rope, right, it was uh, uh, on a month or hitch, so you could pendulum, and it was coming out a window of an eight-story building we were training. Yes. And uh, uh, I got a huge pack on, you know, 100 pounds of gear, and I flipped upside down, and my oh. brake hand is behind me. Uh, you know, not easy to recover from, right, but very, very good experience. Jump, you know, helicopters and mountains and everything you can dream of. And yeah. I got a really close uh, brother, Staff Sergeant Jake Nominson. He's no longer with us. He had three kids. He 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 was blown off a mountain in the Himalayas uh, about 25 years ago mm-hmm. on an active duty training joint exercise with the Nepali Army. And that's how a lot of us get to the Himalayas, right? And, yeah. and uh, so every time I'm there, I think about our brother who fell 2,500 feet, body's oh. never been recovered. And uh, um, 
so my association to the Himalayas goes back a long ways. I've been climbing my whole life, rock, ice, mm-hmm. uh, uh, alpine, you know, you know, you name it, like you. Yeah. And, you know, 30 years of, of climbing globally around the world. And it, it helped. there's another thing that helps with Tourette's. I've noticed that... Um, uh, and, and people mention it to me too. When I'm dedicated into something uh, mm. like athletics, it, it just uh, it kind of goes away. And the same thing happens when I paint or sculpt or do anything uh, artistic. I'm, uh, I have an artistic. Uh, a lot of us do, right? Because mm-hmm. the academic, the left brain doesn't exist. We're we're you know we, we're we're only one brain. We're just one side of the brain. We don't have the yeah. analytical side. So. Uh, when I'm uh, performing any type of artwork, <clears throat> music, you know, you name it, anything that's artistic and mm-hmm. or doing something physical, the Tourette's is gone. And you know that, too. When yeah. you were climbing Mount Everest uh, with me, we were climbing it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've climbed it before. Um, you know, when you're on the climb itself climbing, mm. uh, you're not going, oh, fuck, man, I got to get my, uh, <laughs> you know, hope my stocks are good. Uh, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, we know the drill, right? I mean, we're doing it because it's a total release, complete focus and dedication. Everything else in the world is good. You're present. The present is a gift. We either live in fear yeah. of the future or in fear of the past, and we don't live in the present. You know, yeah. a whole other Asian dynamic we don't have time to discuss. But the yeah. bottom line is, climbing makes you more present than you ever dreamed of. Because if you're paying, if you're in the future or in the past, uh, you just fell, yeah. right? And you're probably dead. You have got to be in the present. So climbing keeps us present. So I do it for myself to mm-hmm. be outside and to be present. But I also do it because I generally have. Uh, um, veterans with me that I'm trying to empower and uh, right. we all have our own reasons to be there but but uh, Everest all these years I've always wanted to climb it never really had a chance I've gotten close like three times I got close to an expedition and then uh, hmm. uh, weather was terrible I never even got a chance right so finally hmm. in my 50s and I've like you I've climbed a lot of mountains many are much harder than Mount Everest but but it's still Mount Everest I finally got a chance at it thank goodness yeah and um it was a great climb. You know as well as yeah. I do. I hauled ass up and down. I'm super safe. Had no issues. I was the only one on the mountain. I got a sunrise summit. <laughs> no traffic jams. Climbed yeah. from the north side. You know, like you, I'm a smarter climber, and I didn't have to deal with all the madness on the news, and neither did you. And mm-hmm. uh, that's that's just a sign of our ability to, to know better. And same with the, the North Face guys that were, you know, also on our team, mm-hmm. the North Face climbing team. So Everest was great. Loved it. Was glad to be on it after all these years. Uh, it wasn't that hard. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's physically grueling, of course, but from a technical climbing perspective, mm-hmm. The north side's much harder than the south side, as we know, but it really, to me, wasn't that technical. Yeah. Uh, obviously, very dangerous. Got to pay attention. Plenty of dead bodies up there to prove it, mm-hmm. and and uh, I stepped over plenty of them. But at the end of the day, I was glad that I was on it. Um, finally got it done. Have no desire uh, to go back. Um, it just <laughs> it wasn't a, the kind of mountain that I'm like, God, it was so great. I want to do it again. You know, some mountains are like that. Yeah. Uh, Everest, I didn't feel that way. I'm glad to be off it, and yeah. I'm glad that our team was safe mm-hmm. and i'm glad i made the summit dude you slayed it and as i'll probably explain in a future story your getting to high camp was a pivotal moment for our i know we were kind of climbing in slightly separate teams all unified but but when you got to high camp it was a, a real game changer for some of the people who were struggling up to high camp who were literally uh, ready to U-turn it at that moment. So you, uh, you having tagged it, you had two really strong dudes with you who are incredible men, 
incredible climbing Sherpas too. And, and you got, you sounded like you were sitting on the beach under a palm tree when you radioed down. Oh, everything's fine up here. I don't know what you guys are worried about. And everybody's like shrugged and like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll keep going then. So I, you, I don't even know if I explained that to you. It changed everything for our team. It was pretty legit. So, uh, thanks for your going first and, we, we waited and waited and waited, and the whole mountain was clear, and there were just the right amount of people on that mountain when, when our teams were endeavoring to summit, which was pretty awesome experience, definitely. It's, words, it was, uh, it's leadership, right? Our leadership empowered you guys to lead yourselves, and mm -hmm. everybody won. Uh, uh, hats off to Pasang uh, Gambu uh, Sherpa and Dawa Dendi Sherpa, two world-class human beings, as we know, who, are, mm -hmm. who also between them have, I don't know, 12 or 14 summits and like 42, 8,000 meters summits. Well, totally. You, yeah, the yeah, best crazy. Sherpa in the world. Yeah, yeah these guys are nuts. Yeah amazing and i say nuts in the best way possible they're just yeah, so totally. solid so <laughs> stable i figured um having known gambu pasan gambu a little bit better i said well if he turns around everybody should turn around and oh, he didn't and i was like oh okay well gambu went well i think yeah. we're all set crazy crazy stuff but um hey frank so i'm yes, gonna sir. let's let's do this again I okay. want my hope is is that we can uh, get some listeners who might have had or are having some issues with Tourette's or or anything or just any like looking, yeah, looking for some inspiration, whether it's, uh, you know, making their diet better or, you know, just getting their act together. You're you're a real example uh, that for people to look up to. And another thing is I, I had alluded to at the beginning, the first time I met you or really heard you talk, you came into our cook tent and started talking. And I was like, I mean it, Frank, it was like either this guy's the more full of BS than any human being I've ever met, or he's pretty freaking impressive. So you had my attention, bang, from the get-go. And I'm That's really awesome, glad brother. we had an opportunity to kind of develop our friendship because, man, I, I just look forward to seeing what you do for the, as, as you're, you know, you have ambitions. And I look forward to being, you know, hopefully you seeing what I'm up to. And I'll, I'll take your advice any day, my man. You, you, are, you got it together, my brother. So... So thank you for just kind of being available and taking time out of your extremely busy day. And, oh, one, okay, I do have one last question. So yes, if you pulled it off, uh, I think you did, you said that you were going to do, oh, just one small thing before our phone call today, and we talked at about 9.30 in the morning. What, what was it you did, oh, by the way, ho-hum, did you do this morning? Oh, yeah. Okay. Funny. Well, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. I, I'm, I, uh, I opened my big mouth and decided that I was going to run the Honolulu marathon two weeks after I summited. Uh, I did a two for last fall. I did a, I climbed Joey U and the sixth tallest mountain in the world in Tibet, as you know, and then I left there and went to Nepal and climbed on the Blom, which is two times harder than Mount Everest. I did them back to back. And then I went to Hawaii to run the Honolulu marathon two weeks later and uh yeah which was great but i i had to pull over um after the 10k because i i wasn't i mean 
I could yeah. no problem. I just forced myself to finish the marathon, but then be broken. So, <laughs> so I said, well, all right. Once again, extremism, OCD strikes again. So uh, I should chill. And uh, so I ran the 10K, which is great. Decided to run it this year. And so this morning, I thought, well, I better run 20 miles and uh, to just. Uh, you know, I better start warming up now because the marathon's in December. So instead of, uh, you know, most people get in shape to climb mountains. I climb mountains to stay in shape. Usually I run up and down the escalator twice at the airport and yeah. just to on-site the hill. And, uh, you know, I'm still dumb <laughs> in my 50s. And uh, I never listened to my dad. This is my forehead's got a big square in it from banging it on the table. <laughs> and and now that he's dead, you know, I listen to him every day. I can hear everything. But uh, you know the drill. But yeah. uh, 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 now check this out amazing i'm actually going to spend six months training for the marathon instead of two weeks and uh you know so that should that should probably guarantee some success so yeah i uh today i went for 20 miles only ran 18 okay okay uh, well all right we'll we'll let it we'll let it slip this time 18 miles dude incredible incredible um dude you are you are something else to behold i i'm so psyched that we got to talk today and um even though we're we're ending this interview i'm gonna i'll we gotta connect so i can get you to send me a picture if you have a summit picture i want to put it on instagram or whatever link to draw people to this and any other pertinent information so um i i'm not gonna hang up yet because we'll talk briefly after but thank you Thank you from the bottom of my heart for just sharing a part of your life with us today. Hey, Tom, you're a first-class human being, and you're doing good work by helping other people. And honestly, it's truly my honor, and I, and I thank you for the opportunity for some exposure to help some others. I, together, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're making a little difference, and that's all we can do. Oh, well said. The thing that Frank said that really stands out is that a gift is a curse until you realize it's a gift. That really sums up his life. He was given what from the outside looked like a lot of curses, born or as a young boy with Tourette syndrome, getting himself into a lot of trouble, and then rising above it and finding the truth of his heart and going on to become a successful chef, a successful business person, a successful sharpshooter in the military. He is a, an example for many people and for those who might have Tourette syndrome and are dealing with some issues or or know someone who is or have a loved one that is, Frank suggests visiting Tourette.org, T-O-U-R-E-T-T-E dot org. And he also suggested a reading list for creating more excellent excellence in in our own lives. These are books that he said he read thousands and thousands of books, but here is a very short list of five books that he said are important to him, and he suggests we read if you're so interested. Emotional 
Intelligence by Daniel Coleman, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, Detoxify or Die by Sherry Rogers, a doctor, Gut Solutions by Brenda Watson, and Plant Paradox by Dr. Stephen Gundry. I'll list those books in the liner notes for this episode. I hope that you will share this episode with anyone that might have an interest in just an inspirational story or someone that you know who has is dealing with Tourette syndrome in their or a loved one's lives. The music of this episode was Norman Sylvester and Tevis Hodge Jr., which I found on the Free Music Archive. And for more information about Norman Sylvester, go to normansylvester.com. And I also hope that you'll visit my website, eyesopenproductions.com. If you'd like to be on my mailing list for Baker Street with Tom Pollard, click on the contact button and send me a real short note and I'll add your name to it. Frank sums up the idea that we create our reality with the thoughts that we empower. Frank is a very positive guy. There is not a, an ounce of him feeling bad for what happened in his past. In fact, Frank is thankful for all those challenges he had. It made him the person he is today. So he doesn't look back and blame his old man for, for telling him you were a major F up or wanting to throw him off the bridge to prevent him from a lifetime of, of suffering. He, he's thankful for those challenges and he's a great example of what I endeavor to bring you on Baker Street with Tom Pollard. Please do share these episodes with your friends on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on whatever social media, or just via email with people that you care about who you think could benefit. I thank you very much for being here. I have a really cool interview that I'm working on for next week, and I hope you'll visit me again. And until then, have a great day, have a great week, be positive, be kind, and I will see you real soon. If you're still here, thank you for visiting. I hope you'll take a moment to subscribe wherever you're listening, and I hope you'll also visit my Patreon page for exclusive content at patreon.com slash thehappinessquotient, and take a look at my YouTube page of the same name, where there are many Everest and music-related episodes as well as adventure content and interview snippets that can't be found here on the podcast. Thank you for being here. I hope you'll share this, leave me a review, a rating, and come back soon.